the last Metroid, is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. For this new episode of Signs, Cosines, and Tangents. Tonight, we are talking about many, many important things, but most important among them, Metroid. Is it the most important? I thought we no, were gonna... not at all. I just thought it'd be really, really dramatic. As we we're trying to this. set the ambiance. Yes, that's true. Not all of us can uh, take a spontaneous vacation and put our recording off for a week. A second week, two weeks. Well, that's true. You were the fault of last week, too. Dude. I know. Get your stuff together. Sorry, man. You're pushing me really hard. You're pushing me over the edge. I needed to break. Yeah, it's it's all this pre-production you have to do before we do these episodes now. Oh, all this, all, all this that I have to do. Hey, I'm here to advise. You're... I'm the talent, man. <sighs> I want a bump in the title. I want it to be cosines, signs, and <laughs> No, that doesn't really work. Oh, okay. For me. <laughs> Everybody's replaceable, except for me. Well, sure. Yeah. Tangents. Tangents. We should talk that's, about things. That's one third of our title. Tangents. Yeah. What do we got this week, Sean? We have like 37 tangents, thank to you, by the way. I mean, I'm trying I've... to contribute. You are doing a you're great like, job. You're like, hey, you always hey. wait until the last day to add to the show notes. And I was like, hey, I'm doing it during the week now. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair. <laughs> I really, what am I going to do? Pick on you for that? No. Um, but we do have a fair number of tangents to get through. I want to hit them fast and hard. And then we can uh, get into our main topic, which we tried to overly dramatize at the beginning yeah, of this we tried. We tried to bring you some quality to this podcast we're trying to up the ante yeah and it's not very high as a it's bar a low yet. bar but yeah. uh i think it's doable i think i believe in us i believe in us <laughs> that makes one of us <laughs> okay first tangent so there's this new science fiction comedy hour on the fox entertainment network what's that is that the network that always cancels shows that i like yeah, well, so depending on whether you like this or not, that may be the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, so Seth MacFarlane has a new television show. We've talked about it, you know, in the past that there was something coming called The Orville. Well, The Orville is finally here, and it has nothing to do with popcorn. Mm. Grown. It also has nothing to do with science fiction parody. What? I thought it was a parody. You know, that's what everybody thought it was. But what it really is, is a knockoff of a 1960s sequel series with a bald guy from Great Britain who oh. goes throughout the universe and judges people harshly based on his moral superiority. Uh, what was the name of that show? 
Star Trek. I was going to say Night Court. <laughs> no, he doesn't travel. They go to him. <laughs> and and Harry wasn't bald. And he no, I was British. thinking of the 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 bailiff. Uh, bull? Yeah, Bull. Yeah, he was bald. Yes. Yes, he yeah. was. Nobody's gonna. Nobody listening is gonna remember <laughs> Night Court. Well, yeah, probably not. Three percent of our audience. Marky Post was hot for a while. <laughs> she really was. Um, but then again, I was a teenager, and you were so like a tree six. was attractive when you were a teenager. Oh, <laughs> uh, this goes back to our pre-podcast <laughs> conversation about teenage boys and trees, um, and sex education, which will not be part of our topic today. No. We're going to do a spinoff podcast for that. Yes. Jared Talks Sex Ed. That's going to oh, be Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. We're, it's horrible now because we're supposed to be talking about the Orville. So I watched the first episode of the Orville. Yes. And I went in with the expectation that it was going to be a parody of Star Trek. You thought it would be Galaxy Quest. Yeah. yeah I mean, And instead it was more... Misogyny, the television show. Well, there was that aspect of it. Which isn't funny it just it wasn't funny it was like a very dated joke yeah a throwaway line about an ex-wife i could get but it continued through the second episode too by the way oh really yeah there was sex the sex no there was no sex there there was ex-wife jokes let's let's back up so so the orville is brought to you by seth mcfarlane who family guy ted cleveland show ted and cosmos and uh, you know, American Dad, which American I Dad. really like. Yeah. But and so, you know, there's been a lack of Star Trek the last few years, and we've talked about the upcoming Star Trek. There's no Star Trek coming up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the Orville was like this weird live action show that was coming to Fox, kind of different than stuff they put on the air in the while. And so I watched the first episode. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting like joke joke alien race joke but it was really more of that cross sitcom stuff we've seen with like scrubs and a couple other shows where they've got the comedy but they've got the heart too it was a workplace comedy with heart yeah in space exactly why i don't know so i agree with your assessment and then the second episode which i'm assuming you haven't seen no um talk there was actually so here's the weird part of this show We're only three episodes in, okay? Uh, It regularly airs on Thursday nights now. It it premiered on Sunday nights for two weeks just to see if they could get our attention. And uh, the second episode is a situation where they almost immediately remove the captain and the first officer, and they put the junior officer on the bridge in charge of the ship. And so in the Star Trek world, you would think that this would be about showing that you know, the metal of anybody on a bridge in Starfleet is pretty good. And, you know, they will rise to the occasion. And guess what? That's exactly the story they told. Including break cues that sound exactly like the wrapping cues between commercial breaks that they used on Star Trek The Next Generation. I mean, they would music you out. They'll go to a far shot of the starship. It, it looks like somebody from Star Trek just produced a new television show and decided they didn't have the rights to call it Star Trek and make it something else. Now, the one variable to that, and it carries on from the pilot, was they feel like people, the humans on the show, not not the aliens. The humans on the show feel like people were transported out of 2017, and in the case of Seth MacFarlane, 2009, with their humor, 
and dropped on the bridge of the starship. So, so Galaxy Quest. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. There's there's elements, except they're not coming off as you know, kind of your typical Family Guy kind of references. Um, they're actually characters with motivations, and they seem to be developing. Nothing you would have expected. The third episode is immediately following the ending of the second episode. So there's a chronology now, too, making these serial stories. Yeah, I thought they weren't going for the serial aspect with the show. Oh, well, so far it looks like they are. They're not doing bottle episodes where at the end of everything gets reset. Status quo. Yeah, Um, because the second officer of the ship is the member of this all-male species. And his name is Bordas. And he was sat out the second episode, which made the third officer, the young lieutenant, um, take over the ship because he was having to sit on his egg. Because he was having an egg. He was having a child. And so he had to incubate and sit on the egg. So this third episode was the, the last minute teaser was that his child was born a female in a race that doesn't have females. And the third episode really kind of resolves that storyline about, you know, what if this child is born different than its society allows. And I mean, it really started to weigh in on what I would consider traditional Star Trek. Right. You know, the social problems. And the problem I had with both of the second and third episode was that they introduced these kind of deep moments of character drama and in political and socioeconomic and societal um criticism and they wrap it up in one episode and it's really kind of like they only hit the barest notes on any of these things so they wouldn't even make good star trek episodes as far as they how they wrap it up right um i i'm still confused about what it's gonna be and maybe it's one of these shows that doesn't define itself overall it's just a character drama and it's set in space, and they tell whatever story they choose to tell that week. It's it's kind of awkward. Yeah. So I can't tell you whether it's good or not. And you can't really say who it's really catering for either. Well, as a longtime Star Trek fan, I'm enjoying those elements of it. And I like some of Seth MacFarlane's stuff, but it just hasn't gelled yet. And, and my wife Eva said this to me while we were watching the premiere, and I don't know if you had this feeling. Star Trek The Next Generation was not great to start with. Oh, the first season's not good. Better than you think, but it wasn't it wasn't what you think. Of well, they were mostly the retreading yeah. you know, scripts that they'd written for the other failed right. Star Trek series. And I kind of feel like the Orville's better than that first season of Next Generation as far as setting its tone and hitting its marks. But I think that maybe because they just borrowed what Star Trek The Next Generation became and made that show very very character based character interaction yeah and i mean with the star trek maybe in the fourth episode we'll get the ship's doctor being controlled by a space ghost <laughs> i mean because that was a thing they did on star trek but uh <clears throat> i don't know how I, many as long as they uh do the thing where a sentient gas cloud possesses somebody then oh then <laughs> then you know they're just ripping star trek yeah. off um yeah, I, I I am completely confused about how to feel about the Orville. Yeah, I I don't know. The first episode didn't make me want to watch more. Okay. 
But uh, I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. Well, the other two episodes are available on Hulu. so Because there is a lack of what I consider Star Trek out, out there. And um, basically everything we've seen with Discovery is grimdark. Is not what it's I consider all, it, Star it's Trek. TV, it's not TV track. It's it's movie track. Yeah, Star and, Trek's that you know society has gone through some things and they've they've developed. It's it's more about just just all the 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 societal things, the political stuff, the mm-hmm. moral stuff. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. it, it shows that humanity comes through all of the stuff that we're dealing with now, right? And becomes a better society, right? And it's the optimism that's inherent in Star Trek that actually is fairly inherent in the Orville. Right. Which is probably why I feel weird about it. Because there's not a lot of that these days, so. Well, and I I like optimistic science fiction. Yeah. I just would never have assumed that it would come from Seth MacFarlane. Under the guise of a comedic sitcom show. Which is the way they led the series. Right. So. Let's move on. Um... This looks like it may be more than that meets the eye. Sean. Oh God! Yeah, this See, is payback this is for years. Payback, so. that, yeah, yeah. So there's a new animated series, Gen One Transformer series coming out. Um, going to be released directly in Machinima. Oh called, really? Called Transformers Titans Return. Now it is absolutely a tie-in to the Titan series toys that Hasbro has been putting out. So the Metroplex and, and the you know all of those giant Transformers. And that's really what this is about. But it's Gen 1 designed for Megatron and Prime. And uh, I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, I don't think it's out yet. But uh, it's coming to Machinima in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm interested in checking it out. The There's been a lot of Gen 1 resurgence with Transformers lately, or at least trying to call back to it. Well, there's so many of us praying that the the Bayesian Transformers will just go the heck away. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... That's another series that's just been warped. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very simple. There's robots, they transform, and they're fighting each other with lasers. It doesn't need to be apocalyptic. Well, giant robots fighting on our planet with us standing around them would be fairly apocalyptic. If you choose to depict it that way. That's why it worked well as a cartoon. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. You could be You're more gonna do live action. Yeah. Well it was also a children's cartoon and they've tried to baze it bay it up. Bayesian. It's Bayesian yeah, Transformers. We'll, we'll check it out. I really liked uh Transformers Devastation. Yeah. The game I that came too. out by Platinum. It was it was simple. It, it was the robots, pure Gen 1 game. Robots transforming and beating the shit out of each other. And the plot <laughs> was dumb, but it didn't matter. We need the Energon. But the Energon's been corrupted. Dark Energon. Well, that's not Evil, a new thing. Yeah, whatever. I mean, again, it's dumb, but the dumbness makes it more consumable sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you just like to turn off your brain. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, this is not in a one dumb thing. Because we've talked about it like 18 times within the 17 episodes we've had. Um, So, (laughs) is Nintendo listening? Or was this the plan all along? If you're the Nintendo conspiracy theorist. What what plan would that be? You didn't even tell them what it is. The NES classic. The NES classic. The one that was discontinued. 
not the SNES classic that's upcoming that you can't obtain through pre-orders, even though they promised you'd be able to get it because they're going to have more stock. The original is coming back in 2018. Why? Because people want it. And Nintendo wants to make it. And Nintendo, after saying they were going to make it a limited time product, is bringing it back. So limited doesn't mean only once. It could be limited. They said it was a one-time thing, and now they're going back and making more. And I feel like it's going to be... I don't have any promise... I don't have any... Um... Hey, you know, you don't need to be so hard on Nintendo, Jared. <laughs> they are just a company trying to get along in this hard, hard so world. the question is, are they changing their tune, realizing this is something that people want... Or was this their plan all along of to do limited stock and do it on a periodic basis? Is this really the beginnings of a Nintendo conspiracy theory? Because there's well, another no, one. No, a right lot now. of people, when, when it comes to stock with Nintendo, and we've talked about this with Switch and Amiibo. NES Classics and yeah. Amiibos, yeah. people are like, this is Nintendo's plan. They make people want it. And what I tell people is. Nintendo's not competent enough to actually make a plan like that. They're just bad at doing it. Yeah. That's that's my belief. They they don't understand how much people want of their product and the way they set up their supply and and, and they apparently uh, manufacturing. don't learn or review their sales numbers. Yeah. Because it's that really should have told them years ago when the Wii was in shortage. Yeah. It's it's really weird. So I'm I'm from that viewpoint of Nintendo doesn't know what they're doing, um, <laughs> especially when you talk about like their online capabilities and their voice chat. Like there's no there's no grand plan with the voice chat situation. They just don't know what they're doing. You mean the the wonderful phone integration? They finally updated the Nintendo app where you can actually do voice chat while the apps in background. Oh, That's wow. a feature that was just added. <laughs> um, so anyhow, it's coming back. Are you guys interested? Are you just going to... So is this oh, the point I of the podcast waited where I out. Huh? tell you I already have two already better yeah. machines? Yeah. So turns out you can just get a Raspberry Pi, put a thousand games on it. It's cheaper and it's really... You can do it right now. Oh, and it'll even play PlayStation 1 games. No. Yeah. I mean... So... Again, it's a novelty. I think the NES, the NES Classic, I wanted to get it for my friends as a Christmas gift when it came out because it was a nice it was a nice mesh of... Apparently only his friends who were diehard Nintendo fans. No, I thought it was a nice mesh for people that hadn't gamed in a while to play games oh, that they grew okay. up with. That's so, right. It was your, your gateway drug to get them back in. Exactly. Exactly. So, do we care? I don't know. I care. It's exciting. I hope people get them this time. I promise you this is the last time we will talk about either of these things. I doubt it. No, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. What about when the N64 Classic comes out? Hey, I'll just say it now. Nintendo could make the N64 Classic. They will still do it badly, and they will not have enough. Nobody's going to want an N64 Then there's Classic. like seven games that people would play on the N64. Yeah, there's not, that's not... Which is I'm, fine, because they'd need all that RAM. Based on the uh, the catalog of the SNES Classic, I think they could do a second one. I, I don't yeah. know why they no, don't I think just that's make, it, make it the freaking thing where your virtual console is. Like It ties into the internet, you download the games, you pay $5 a game. Yeah. Just don't get it. Hmm. Anyhow. Okay. Anyhow, moving on. Let's We focused on that way too much. Destiny 2. Ugh. 
What is so, the uh from you for? You didn't even play it. <laughs> exactly. In the show notes, Destiny 2, a one-sided review because of Jared. Yeah, Jared, the guy who can't even finish Destiny 1. Years and years. Do you even own Rise of Iron yet? I have a reminder to buy it tonight. Because <laughs> we're going to do the Destiny party, yeah, right? Yeah. Before they shut down the servers. Yeah. Anyhow, Sean, I want to know about Destiny 2. I've been reading reviews. The reviews are just like, hey, it's more of Destiny. It's good. Um, can you tell me, we've talked about Destiny. Mm-hmm. What's different? What's good? So for my, and we talked a little bit of this in the last episode where I talked about playing the PC uh, demo. And it was pretty much the same as the the beta had been for um, the consoles. Now that Destiny 2 is out and I've spent tons of time playing it in the last few weeks. What I will tell you is that it you could very easily whitewash it with the idea that it is just destiny with some slight tweaks. Um, what I would say is that it took the criticism around destiny, not having a coherent story and maybe it went a little too far towards giving it a really good coherent story. Um, I think that the narrative story in the game is great. I think that the idea of resetting everybody's characters back to zero, basically, which is what happens. You have to rebuild from level 1 all the way back up to level 20, which is the same level that you could build up to in the initial release of um, Destiny. You have a different weapon system. So instead of being, you know, the main weapon, sidearm, and then power weapon, well, not power weapon, um, light, medium, heavy, heavy. light, medium, heavy, it's now, you know, kinetic energy and power. That sounds like Halo. It's a lot like Halo, actually. Weird. Um, but the loot system and the recurring games, the game doesn't even start, really, for most players until you hit level 20. So you have to finish the game's main storyline to really unlock all the, the cool things. Uh, I think that, you know, one of the things you and I talked about was the grinding of patrol missions in Destiny 1 got a little old. The adventure focus that they've taken with this, where you've got kind of a little mini storyline or a side quest that you go do, um, is a much better way to approach that. Uh, public quests are much more common than they were. Um, and the I think that the settings are far more interesting overall. Now, we're going to get some uh, resurrection of some of the old areas, I think, in the expansion packs that are coming up. And Do you probably... think or that's been announced? Hasn't been announced. Actually, the next place we're going is Mercury. So, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, now it's got, you know three, four years of lore under its belt and it tells a cohesive story and it really does feel like an advancement to Destiny to me. Is Rasputin in it? Rasputin is not in it. Really? But there are SIVA things every once in a while. Okay. Um, the other thing I will say that, you know, to, to fight some of the criticism here, if you're looking for something that's completely groundbreaking and evolutionary, you're probably not looking at buying video games that are produced by a main publisher. It's just, we've talked about it before. That's not what they do. Um, I think that the only drawback I had overall, as far as how it plays and, and the, the people you're fighting against and all that, there's no new enemies. I mean, there's new variations of the same four races that you fought all through Destiny 1. So if you are not wanting to fight more Cabal or more Hive or more you know, Fallen... And there's even Taken, which I still don't understand how the Taken are still a part of this. What about the bosses? 
So the boss battles are in many ways more fun. I, I think that they're structured better. They're they're much closer to what we saw in the Taken King and Rise of Iron as far as the structure of the boss fights and and the coordinations and the various new strategies to defeat them. It's not always a straight up gunfight. Um, but they do still fall into some basic categories. Right? You have waves of enemies that you have to kill to get to the boss. The boss re- retreats. You kill more waves of enemies. That's still pretty standard level design for these fights, but at least they're visually interesting for me, and I'm having fun. So if you're a fan of Destiny and you were like, I don't know if I want Destiny 2, I, you can't really go wrong. There's, it, there's nothing It looks there. safe, but it looks like you know Destiny through its its development or even after it launched was figuring out what it was and well, now this one destiny's like no i'm this is what i am and this is what i do really well i think it's actually closer to what we were promised for destiny yeah. right by the time we got to you know rise of iron we all kind of sat back and said okay they finally gave us the game that they said they were going to give us three years ago right this is more of that and more along than not a bad one. thing and it I don't and, the, and the thing i tell people about destiny because they're like I, they never played the first one is if you're looking for like a a Bioshock or a Halo or something of that nature, you know, with an integrated storyline, it doesn't do that well. And it sounds like this Destiny one does it Destiny 2 better. does. Destiny 2 storyline is very but well integrated. the gameplay was solid. The gameplay was solid. And the gameplay the, the is shooting, still fun in Destiny 2. It's, a, it's that bungee solid shooting yep. um, where they do the, the waves of enemies and the types of enemies and just how you have to know where you are. Um, and there's some controversy about how some of they change some of the systems, you know, like the cosmetic systems, the uh, microtransaction-based purchases. They're a little different, a little bit more oriented towards what you would consider play-to-win in the traditional sense. Um, but you don't get a super powerful rifle out of one of those drops. You will get, a, you know, a, a rifle with power of 30, and then you have to fuse it, and you need legacy shards to do that, so you have to farm those and. I mean, it's the whole kind of how do you increase your vehicles and, and, and your gear and all of that. And it's all cosmetic. Um, the other thing that we got a lot of angst from players after launch was the idea that color coding your armor, the, the thing they used to call shaders, uh, now shaders are like... Consumables. Well, they're consumables like paints in an MMO, yeah. right? Or dyes in an MMO. Which you have to purchase and apply once. Well, you don't have to more. purchase them. You have to find them. Okay. Um, you can purchase them, but you, you they, they drop pretty frequently once you hit 20th level. And then you just hoard them. But the problem is that then you spend all this time hoarding all this stuff to paint your armor. And then you end up getting a better armor piece two minutes later in gameplay. And you don't you can't apply the same color. So your color scheme gets all messed up. And that's why shaders made sense in the first one. It's You could stay a particular color scheme as you upgrade your armor. But yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I foresee them with based on the number of complaints and the number of drops, them changing that. I don't know. I don't. I think they may increase the drop rate. I don't think they'll actually get rid of it. And it, anyhow, how are you feeling, Sean? You know, most days, pretty darn good, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like my life. I love living in Ohio. Yeah. Ohio's pretty cool. A lot of people don't appreciate. What? Apparently, um... We're ranked, and this was like, I think I talked about this on my Facebook page, but this was one of the most headline-grabbing BS headlines I'd seen in a while. Clickbait. Ohio ranked one of the lowest states in the United States for happiness. 
By the way, the overall ranking was 37 out of 50. So we're... We're, we're pretty much in the middle. Yeah. Just a lower end and lower quartile, right? But not... But, but but we're not talking about it's an equally weighted thing. We're talking there's only 50 states. Somebody has to be number 37. And that doesn't mean mathematically that 37 is very different from 38. Yeah. So... We're not one of the least happy. <laughs> Which is what the headline said. That's um, that's pretty good. I'm like, 37? Okay. That, so, sounds, like, that sounds like, you know, most we, days are good. Well, not all and, days. And so it was a, that's the composite number. There were like three things so that they rated you on. How do you, yeah, how do you rate happiness? It was uh, Days of Sunshine. <laughs> no, that's false. I, I like it when it's cloudy, so <laughs> throw that one out. Um. There was, uh, well, so it wasn't Days of Sunshine, but it was, like, weather. Um, there was access to uh, fun things to do. We're to talking find to... fun. Well, okay. Attractions? Oh, zoos. What if you hate animals? Or, you know, don't live in a state that has three amusement parks. Like, world-renowned amusement parks. Like, yeah. Ohio. Or museums. Or... Or, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Or, or the Hocking Hills. Yeah. You know, or how, who even knows about Mohican, right? I tell people out of state that, hey, I'm going to Mohican, and they're like, what's that? what's that? They'll know the Hawking Hills, but they won't know the Mohicans, which I'm like, we have two Keep parts of the country. Keep it a secret. Yeah, that's true, because then it'll get crowded and people yeah. won't let us go. Um, no, it's just, it's, it's another sign <sighs> of people pumping up statistics in the wrong context. And like one of the three things, we were rated like number 16. And I'm like, our overall rating is 37, but one of you know them what? was 16. This podcast is going to change that. We're going to make people happier. Well, I think we're going we, to keep that optimism. I think we at least make them question why we do this. Yeah. But <laughs> at least we, we can have a conversation. I'm about not it. that. Unhappy. Are you happy where you live? If you don't live in Ohio, do you feel that you live in one of the happy places? What makes you, you happy hate about Ohio? where you are? You hate and, Ohio. and if you hate Ohio, we'd love to hear about that too. Yeah, why do you hate Ohio? And it doesn't have to come down to what everybody in Columbus cares about, which is football. Yep. All right, because Ohio State football is just what it is. It is. And if you live in Columbus and you're not a football fan, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, it's and kind if, of rough on Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's really not the end of the world. All right. So, so Sean. Yeah. Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh. Cool. They're gonna do a third, third one. A third, third trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, they lost their director for this. Yeah. Just like the Han Solo movie lost its director. Yeah. They fired him. Yeah, but they're gonna get somebody like new and innovative to change it up, right? No. They're getting J.J. Star Trek Killer Adams or Abrams. Abrams. <laughs> Abrams. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. Star Trek Killer. Star Killer. Star Killer. Oh, hey! it comes full circle. There you go. Uh, yeah, they, so they're hiring JJ back to do the, the the third of this trilogy. Cool. So we're gonna get Ewoks and Return of the Jedi again. Um, no, they will be small lizards with fur, and it will not be about the return of the Jedi. It will be about the return of Ray's parents. Is that real? I have no idea. Okay. But that I I got really worried. <laughs> well, you still should be worried. I'm still worried. I I'm a, Last Jedi, I don't know. I'm, I'm They've I done feel a like, great job of selling I feel like it. Star Wars has gotten to this oversaturation point where we're 
it's main it's so mainstream now. It's, it's like always he, been mainstream. Well, no, it hasn't. Yes, it has. No, it hasn't. No, Star Wars before the midnight before the prequels, it was sort of like it's sort of it was sort of like Star Trek, right? Not everybody's a Star Trek fan. That's true, right? You either you either and they're not are, good people, and, huh? <laughs> There's never been people. and they're not good people. Oh yeah, I I feel like it's star wars now is one of those things it's like you don't you've never seen star wars whoa i think there's a lot of hipsters out there who say that just so they get the attention i think so too but no it doesn't mean that they've ever enjoyed star wars i just feel like it's one of those things where it's 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 like ohio state football now (laughs) (laughs) just to bring it full circle yeah uh no it's my my biggest trepidation here and i i've heard this whispered amongst a number of my friends as well and we're a lot of us are very strong star wars fans right of the broader star wars not necessarily the most just recent the movies yeah movie, or we even played just the, the games we played the red the x-wing series all the stuff that doesn't Shadows of exist Empire. anymore because they've decided yeah. it's not convenient for their marketing strategy it's in the kelvin timeline now it's, it is oh god no <laughs> the the legacy universe is the real universe hell it's never mind yeah let's... i'm just gonna go off on that one um I, I just think we're at risk for getting more of the same. Yeah. And it is Disney's cash cow along with Marvel. And they're going to play it safe. And then at the end of episode nine, the universe is going to implode and it's going to combine the Marvel and Star Wars universes. It's all because of Star-Lord. When Ego died, it opened a portal to a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. But also changed them to travel through time to a long long time ago <laughs> how long pretty long pretty long pretty long that's like on. nine parsecs at least we put we put in the show notes <laughs> star wars episode nine the return of meh. Meh. okay so i got some quick ones here uh the witness we talked about this previously yep. jonathan blows puzzle thing mm-hmm. that was very reminiscent of mist Coming to iOS. It's out on iOS. It's out on iOS. Probably going to be coming out for Android soon. I recommend it. It's $10. If you don't have a computer or a console, definitely a good game. You probably have a phone. You probably have a phone. How else would you be listening to our podcast? And it it works for touch. It absolutely works for touch, the the way the game's structured. Okay. Next. Next. Can you believe it? I'm not joking, Sean. This was announced in the latest Nintendo Direct. Doom. Like the Doom. new Doom, 2017 Doom. Or it's 16. coming to the Nintendo Switch. In addition mm-hmm. to Wolfenstein 2. What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's It's got to be because they've got such a good deal with Bethesda because they want Skyrim. That's got to be why they're doing this. And or they feel that the Switch is selling enough to, to actually take make it viable. Yeah. On games that are core gamer experiences. Yeah. So, if you remember when the Wii was out, there was there was I think there was Call of Duty for the Wii, right? Yeah, there was. They did some basic shooters, but there was nothing really violent. And then um, for the Wii U, Nintendo was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get more adult content. Don't you worry, we've got Bayonetta <laughs> too, which yeah. was well, interesting, right? They but now they're going full fledged Nazi killing, demon killing, bloody as hell, violent as hell." This is going to be Nintendo of America going, look, we, we, we can't just not do this now, Japan. I, I think so, yeah. Uh, it's just very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be uh, performance-wise a little, little less. 
mm-hmm. but from the, what I've read in the early previews, it's like it's Doom on the Switch, it's Doom on the Go, and it works. I don't need Doom on the Go. Doom is most effective for me sitting in front of a TV or in front. You of You could computer. do that on the Switch. Just think of anybody that's getting a Switch; they have the opportunity to play the game. I think it's a good thing. But what I'm saying with that is that that wouldn't be a selling point for me. It, it, I would the Splatoon on the go, or you know Mario Kart, being able to take it over to a buddy's house and play Mario Kart, or sit in the middle of a park with a bunch of people yeah. and not be able to see the screen, unlike what the commercial shows you. <laughs> um, I would absolutely think that those are good selling points. Doom in a public park and a chil- where children are playing is probably oh, not a good idea. Doom's perfectly fine these days. America loves its violence, just not its sex. That's true. There's no sex in Doom. Yeah. All right, next. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. We were talking about this yes, before the so uh, we the so the Easter egg collector box. Oh, that's I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, so I don't want to talk about the game or review. I haven't really played it, but I do want to talk about something that the game does that it's. I think it's a very missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a crossover game. Okay. And the reason crossovers exist is I like a character A. I like character B. What would happen if they met? Right? right? Yeah. That's what Marvel Team-Up was always about. Yeah. So uh, in Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, something happens that converges the universe. Somebody uses the reality stone to merge the universe. Yes, exactly. Would be the reality and space stone. Yeah. Th- uh, not Thanos. Ultron. Ultron. Because Thanos is actually helping to defeat Ultron. Ultron and I know this uh, Sigma not actually done from much. Mega Man X merge into one entity. Oh, to... that's weird. Yeah. Well, this would not Sigma's, be the, I mean, they're both robots. Sigma is the closest analog to Ultron. Yeah. Um, hmm. But anyhow, so they merge. But here's the thing. The game has a story mode, uh, which is the biggest thing in fighting games these days to appeal to some casual gamers. Um, but instead of showing these characters meeting for the first Everybody time. Everybody already knows each other. Yeah. It takes place six months after the universe. And everyone's, oh, Mega Man X, Cap. Uh, takes Captain America's shield and throws it back to him, and they're like, "Thanks, X. How's it going? Oh, look, it's Iron Man. Hey, Iron. Hey, Tony. Oh, look, it's it's Arthur from from Ghosts and Goblins. Ghost and Goblins. <laughs> why it, are you even it, here? Why did they do that? It just it's just like, did they just not want to put the effort into it? That would have been better on every account. More expensive, probably. Don't worry about it. Move on. It, it's a it's a Mega Man game, right? It's a, they're not going to well, put any effort. X is in it. That's why I purchased it. X and zero in it. Enough said. So yeah. I've heard the gameplay's good, but I just. It's already hitting the fighting scene. I mean, yeah. any new fighting game gets into the scene. That's, I mean, that's why that's why Injustice works so well. Is you knew the characters had a history. Oh, the Injustice, I think, has an amazing story. Yeah. And the collectability aspect but and all that's fun. But that makes sense because those characters have it's actually a sequel to the first Injustice. Yeah, and the. And those characters have histories together. Yes. You're putting a bunch of characters that don't have a history well, together. Yeah. The only people who don't belong in an Injustice game are the ones we keep getting as DLC, which is the Hellboy. Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. How's that going to... Hellboy's going to show up in the DC Universe, and then we're going to get Raiden again, and we're going to get... We've got Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Who are they going to add next? Uh, Melina? No. Jax? Let's, let's think of something that's completely off the wall, because they added... Um, Spawn? Yeah, probably... Where Namco's got Spawn locked up, probably. Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yeah, in that game, I don't even know how you'd do that. Uh, moving on. Sean. Yeah. Do you like Stargate? We've I, talked Star Trek. We've I, talked Star Wars. Let's hit the star. 
the Star Let's Trilogy. Let's go through the series. gate. Yeah. Yes, the gate. I, I am a big fan of Stargate. I love Stargate. The, mostly the television shows. Yep. Um, not. I, I mean, I'm. A, I was a fan of the movie. I saw it in the movie theater when it first came the, out. The movie was a good seven out. It of It was 10. a Roland Emmerich movie, yeah. so you know you just kind of had to take it what it is. And it was, yeah. you know, Kurt Russell, who's always great. Yeah. Especially even when he's playing a a, a planet. Um, but yeah, no, Stargate. I'm a big fan. I, I've been watching. I own all of SG One on on DVD. DVD. I have all ten box sets. So yeah, I'm a fan. So. It's the biggest rage right now to start your own streaming service. In fact, we're going to start the Science Cosines and Tangent streaming service soon. It's called a podcast. Yeah, it's put it with a subscription <laughs> and you can only get it on a certain app. Um, no, so no, we're not going to do that. Uh, MGM is releasing Stargate Command, their yeah. streaming service. And get this, you get Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe, mm-hmm. along with the original movie and the two... Uh, series movies for SG-1 $20 one time and access to their new Stargate uh, So does MGM legacy. not think it can make any money with this? I, it sort of sounds like that <laughs> Do they really that, think that the audience is that small that they're just trying to get a quick hit? That's that's the only thing I can think Well with licensing and everything maybe they see the Stargate fans will pay $20 and they'll get their stuff. I don't know. This is one time to get the old stuff. They haven't really said what the new series is that going well, to be. Stargate Origins is supposed to be Origins, out. yeah. Yeah, supposed to be out soon, but I'm not all that interested in Origins because I don't really need What is it with pre I don't need a prequel. It's well, it's it's it seems like they copied what Star Trek Discovery was doing. Oh, yeah, great. That's good. Yeah. 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 Thanks. So, I don't know. If you like Stargate, it's interesting. Going to look into it once it launches. But. So let's let's shift back off the science fiction stuff and talk a little bit about mobile phone games because these are our the favorites. rage, the top fit, yes, T- top ten games and, of and all let's time. Let's merge the two most important things in the world: mobile games and Nintendo. So like 3ds games? No, 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 no. iOS games like oh. Super Mario Run. Yeah, are you playing that? I did. I liked it. I haven't been playing it recently, but they're going to come out with like a big 2.0 update. To do what? Uh, they're adding the most so popular character in Mario. Toad? No, Toad's already in it. Oh. And also multicolored Yoshis. No, everybody's been clamoring for Daisy. So Daisy's going to be in No the one game. likes Daisy. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody likes Daisy. Uh, not so even they're Luigi. That. They're adding some new worlds. Uh, they're adding some new modes. It's a free update. Great. We'll see if it manages. If you already have the app, just hit update. If you don't have the app, consider getting it. Yeah, moving on. No, I just think it's interesting that Nintendo's continued to update it. It wasn't a one-shot moving on, so it's new content. Fair enough. You know. It's still Daisy. It's really not Yeah, Daisy's content. not the selling point there. <laughs> and you have to do stuff to unlock her. Uh, You're going to work to I get to... Daisy to go out with you? I, yeah, Luigi Daisy Dating Simulator. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a... No. All right. While Luigi Daisy, if they ever, what my perfect Nintendo off the wall idea is, a Waluigi RPG. Huh. Hey. Wah. All right. right, Moving on. We're gonna move on to our main topic, which we only have like five minutes to talk about, so it's not. We got some time. Calm down. We're gonna get into this. You ready? I am. I think I'm very ready. Come on, Jared, hit it. Samus is under fire. She sent an emergency directive. Join the fight. 
So, uh, that Samus lady needs help because she always works alone, but she she's calling for help. <laughs> she did, She wasn't. Some dude. Some dude was like, How Samus dare is you? getting attacked! How dare you speak for Samus? Uh, <sighs> so, Metroid, the return of Samus. Yeah. Is been returned. It's been... Metroid has been returned to us. Yes, actually. I mean, in more ways than one. And and there's no Federation force around and to, to, to ruin it for everybody. So, uh, I wanted to take this episode to talk about Metroid. It's a huge series in my gaming history. Mine I, mean, too, I love actually. it. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite series. Um, I think it's one of the most respected Nintendo series, even though it's not one of the Nintendo's most popular series. See, and I've never understood that because... I only care about things that I care about. I, you know what? I only care things about I care about. But and, I do care, and I've always cared about Metroid, and I've, I've, cared. I've not cared as much about some of the other series like Chibi Robo that Dude, Nintendo seems to think is popular. Chibi Robo Waluigi crossover. Ooh. You know. Anyway, um, so you know the question of does Metroid really matter? Metroid is foundational for most of the people in my generation of Nintendo gamers, because yeah, sure, we had Duck Hunt and we had Super Mario Brothers and. You know, we had all of the basics. We had the first, you know, Link game, you know, first Zelda. And, but for me, the game I played over and over and over, and I spent hours, hours and hours and hours challenging, was Mega Man. And then it was Metroid. But it was those two games were, you know, really the first two games I bought other than the, the package had included game of Super Mario. Yeah. And and so those are the games that I that in Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which I'm sure you've never played on the Nintendo. Um, but you know, I've got this thing called my Raspberry Pi where I could show you all of these games. <laughs> the, the Raspberry Pi Classic. Yes. Um, Metroid. I have a a weird relationship with Metroid. I never played the NES one. I didn't start with that one. I started with Metroid Two. Mm-hmm. Um, Metroid Two is one of the entire. So f- the first thing about Metro, I want to explain to people. If you're not familiar with the series, it's a sci-fi shooter, exploration shooter. But it was one of the first series that really focused on exploration, as opposed to twitchy gameplay. It told a story. It was an adventure. Yeah, similar to like uh, Zelda, but, but it has puzzle elements. It it have developed you had puzzle to think, elements. No, no. Even in the first one, there were puzzle elements. You had to figure out what the right mix of abilities was to progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, Metroid Samus Returns came out for the 3DS. First off, we're going to talk about this a little more, but this is the first Metroid game we've had in eight years. Yeah, and it was just announced at E3. And out in September. Um, secondly, it's a remake of Metroid 2. Metroid 2 was a Game Boy game. So um, let, let's, let's focus yeah. on the term remake. Because reimagining, I would yeah, I was going to challenge that. It's got the same setting. It's got many of the same creatures, and some of the same level design. Yep, but it's not just that. No, it's much more. It's a it's a total. So Metroid Two was a Game Boy game, all four shades of gray or green, depending <laughs> if you remember it. And if you look at the actual manual, which we've got right here in front of us, yeah. they printed it in red and black. Yeah. So Game but- Boy didn't even get full color in its manual yeah <laughs> um so metro 2 wasn't visual it was 
first off, it was visually good for the Game Boy, but by today's standards, it was, yeah, it wasn't much to look at. Um, where am I going with this? I'm not Anyhow, sure, but it looks so amazing on the G. Metro, yeah, the 3DS. Metroid Samus Returns looks amazing. We're out of sprite work. We're in 3D models. Yep. Um, so Metroid 2, again, the first Metroid I played on the Game Boy, tells the stories of Samus and Ran, a bounty hunter, and she's going to a planet to kill these deadly organisms called Metroids. Um, they're the most dangerous creature in the galaxy. Um, so she goes to this planet. She commits genocide. Um, and at the very end of the game... You know, like you do. Like you do. At the end of the game, there's a baby Metroid. And it hatches and sees Samus as her mother. And it helps you escape the planet and get off the planet at the end of the game. Yep. Different, right? It's sort of like a somber ending. Not and then like you a... find out Samus wasn't a guy. Yeah, well, you find that out in the first one. Right. Um, where the manual actually referred to her as a he... Um, and then you, you the li- see at the end of the game, Super Metroid comes out. Super Metroid is a landmark title. I would say perfect. Mm-hmm. I would Again, say 10 like, out of 10. So there, there's, there's one other series that I play, and we'll, we'll probably yeah, we're going to get into that. But when the Super Nintendo came out, and you needed games that would sell that system, there were a few for me. There was Final Fantasy VI, which was three at the time. Chrono Trigger. There was Chrono Trigger. There was Super Metroid. And there was Super Star Wars, which actually Super Star Wars was the last of those that I picked up. But the Super NES era was an amazing era for Nintendo games. And Super Metroid is one of the best examples of a modernized NES game Well, transitioning into the Super Nintendo era. Because you had such a huge jump in graphical finesse. They did far different storytelling, I thought. Um, they were more story focused. It was st- it was story focused, and it was more show don't tell. It was just yeah. It all took place with the way you come. So th- the thing about the Metroid series is, unlike Zelda, that there's three different timelines, and it's a new link every time. And you know the Triforce. Yeah, blows for better up the or world. worse, they're all the same series. Yeah, everything that happens in the official games has happened to that character. Right, Samus, and, and it tells a continuous story. Metroid happened. Metroid 2 happened, and Super Metroid built itself directly after Metroid 2. There are four pages of backstory in the manual for Metroid 2, retelling the story of Metroid 1. There's the same kind of thing in the Super Nintendo manual for yep. Super Metroid. And in the intro. Super Metroid actually an intro telling the story of Metroid 1 and 2. Anyhow... We're getting off topic. I want no, to come. No, it's all on the topic. If you look at the list, I want to come back. But Super Metroid, even if you didn't play the originals, it said, "Hey, there's stuff going on. There was lore." Yeah, and it it didn't focus on it entirely, but it was interesting if you wanted to get into it. So this character and her adventures were just one part of a larger universe, right? And they did a good job of kind of hinting at that. Right. Storytelling capability at the time wasn't great about being able to actually show it to you. Right, we didn't. It wasn't until much later in the series that we. I disagree. So I've, we didn't really get access to like the hunters, and you know, I'm going to say it again, even though I'm I'm going to run and rip my eyes out. The Federation or any of these other kind of side pieces, other M for all of its failings, 
actually expanded the universe from a storytelling perspective based on everything that had come before it. I'm not denying that they dribbed and drabbled those elements in Super Metroid, or even Metroid, or Metroid 2. It's just that they weren't as prevalent until later in the series. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is Super Metroid had a story, and it really relied on Metroid 2. That's what I was getting at. Oh, yeah. Which is a GBA game that a lot of kids... GB game, not an A. No, right. It wasn't even a GBA game. (laughs) Game Boy game. Game, It wasn't even a Game Boy Color game. It was a Game Boy game um, that a lot of kids never played. It was integral. It's very integral to the series and the development of Samus as a character. Mm -hmm. And and so the whole... I'm going to spoil Super Metroid for a lot of fans here. Sorry. If you had... I'm pretty sure the statue... You've had time. So the Metroid that Samus... Uh, that helps Samus helps at, the end, at of... the end of the game. She takes to the Federation and says, like, here's a Metroid, research it. They research it. It's in the intro of Super Metroid. They're like, hey, these things might not be inter- inherently evil, and we could actually use them to benefit mankind, right? And then Ridley, the guy you faced in the first Metroid game, comes and steals the baby Metroid, and you go to hunt him down on mm-hmm. Zebus, the planet you were raised on by the Chozo, because your parents killed or your parents were killed by Ridley. This right. is all in the manuals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ridley, the space pirates are freaking dicks. Well, and again, the Prime series did a great job of showing a lot of that, too. Yeah. So you go to this planet, and you're you're trying to hunt down this baby Metroid. And you go there alone. The Federation doesn't send you. You're going there to track down something. It really established Samus as like, I'm going to fix this. In the beginning of the game, you get your ass handed to you by Ridley. Yeah. And you lose your armor. But it's it's part of oh, the game. Oh, wait, that's no, a game don't. mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the game. It, the way it told you is like you're weak now, right? It did that yeah. good thing of building. Metroid's always been about building up your strength to face the evil the, things. Whatever the adversary is in that series. So you go down to Zebes. Mm-hmm. You are hunting. You're trying to find the baby Metroid. And eventually you kill some bosses, right? You find the baby Metroid after you beat the shit out of Ridley. You go, but the baby Metroid is not baby anymore. It's super, right? Because everything had to be super with Super Nintendo, and it sucks your life because that's what Metroids do. Uh-huh. Until you have one hit point left, and it realizes, oh, you're my mommy, and it flies away. Um, and you don't see it for a while, and then you fight Mother Brain again, the antagonist from the first game, and Mother Brain's giving you hell again. I thought it was Father Brain this time. No, it's Mother Brain. <laughs> And um, as you're shooting Mother Brain and she's about to kill you, the Metroid shows up, yep. comes out of nowhere, takes up a quarter of the screen and starts sucking the life out of Mother Brain as you've got two hit points left, right? And it, and you see Mother Brain wilt and you're like, oh, Mother Brain's almost dead. She's dead. And then it comes on to you and gives you Mother Brain's life, restores you. But as it's doing it, Mother Brain wakes up and starts shooting at it. Right. And with its final breath, it kills the Metroid, your child, or, you know. Right. And bestows upon you the power of Mother Brain's super laser. And you start killing. It's it's, it's an amazing sequence. Um, And it was unlike anything at the time. I have a tear in my eye right now. Shut up. (laughs) Anyhow. That to me cemented this series. I mean that that was no, it, it, it absolutely was, was some of the best storytelling, unlike anything. And again, it told a congruent story between the first three. Oh, so 
after Super Metroid, and this is leading into our discussion here, but there was no Metroid game. Not for a long time. For eight years. Yeah. Nine years, ten years. And then we got, f- like, five in rapid succession. Well, then we got a 3D first-person shooter. We got Prime, which I love the Prime series. But that was, it was weird, right? It was a weird well, time. And it even has platforming elements. Right. But, yes. But Prime ended up being almost as good, if not as good, as Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. The same day as we got Prime, we got Metroid Fusion. Yes. Now, Prime was a midquel. It took place after the first game, but before Metroid 2. Right. Metroid Fusion was a sequel to Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. Two completely different games. You've got a 3D game and a 2D game. Um, you've got the fan that caters to the original, and you've got something entirely new. Which was really meant to take advantage of the capabilities of the Wii. Because right. it was motion controlled with the wiggle and flick. That's a GameCube game, my friend. Oh, no, you're right. Prime was a GameCube game. Yeah. I am completely losing it tonight. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> and anyhow, but that was eight years. We got two good Metro games. And, again, they were both good. So, again, Metroid was a solid series. Mm-hmm. Then we got Metroid Prime 2. We got Metroid Prime 3. They were okay. Se- they were good sequels. Good. They wrapped up the Not story great. from Prime. Yeah. They told more story. They, they told a, a trilogy. In that time, we also got Metroid Zero Mission. Zero Mission is a great game. It's a fantastic game. It's a remake of the original. And again, it's more of a reimagining. It yep. really expands on the capabilities, falls more in line with Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. Well, and, they had a lot of those game mechanics yep. and the game design. Added new game mechanics. Fusion was a little more experimental, but Zero Mission is like solid mm-hmm. if you like Super Metroid 2D gameplay. Um, again, did good storytelling. And again, it did a twist at the end of the game where the space pirates shoot you down and you have to infiltrate their ship to escape the planet right um and eventually you get your power armor back even stronger than before and you knock the shit out of space parts again just very rewarding gameplay Mm -hmm. that was the last 2d metroid um yeah it was and if you want to talk about other m so the other m was released on the wii yes 2010 i believe other m's weird game the gameplay it's like Metroid Light. Yeah, I think that's a good. The story of it. is like generic sci-fi. The biggest problem with Metroid Other M is they tried to persona uh, personify Samus. Yeah, they tried to give Samus character, which is fine. But you've got years, years of, of what people's opinions and thoughts of how they yeah. think about Samus and. The way we thought about Samus, I can't speak for you. No, it's it's fair. Is, <laughs> Samus is a badass. Yeah, she's not a whiny girl. She takes, she shoots first and takes names later. She's not and a she, wimp. She doesn't need a, a man to make her strong. She's not doing it for anybody's other other than herself. Right. You know, and she has a tortured past, and she was raised by these monk-like alien creatures that went extinct. Right. And she's an orphan. I mean, she's. She's alone in the universe, and the games depict that. She's very alone, very isolated. Yeah. That's so true. Other M says, oh, you isolated bounty hunter of awesomeness. Um, you're thrown into this federation. There's a squad here. You're going to be a team member, you know, on Which contract. Is completely nothing like her. Right, right. Also, uh, your former commanding officer is here. 
and he says you can't use all of your amazing badass powers unless he tells you to. <laughs> yeah, plot-based limiting. And now, that's fine, right? I mean, plot, plot that's always been a series of Metroid of like you start off a wimp and you build it and it doesn't make sense from game to game why you have to regain all of your powers. They but- actually did a better that's one of the things that I thought that they did well with the Prime series. They did not strip you back to zero. Between yeah. each of them. They just changed the obstacles and, and right. modified what you had to get to be able to affect the animals. Right. But that was the only series where they did that. The rest yeah. of them was the almost all. Always... But it's a fine. It's a gamey thing, right? You don't need if you don't try to explain it, you don't have to explain it. It's like we were talking earlier. Yeah, right. You yeah, Metroid turns in or Samus turns into a ball. Right. You don't have so to explain what? it. What? Who cares? She yeah. can. She has the technology. It's magic. There you go. Move on. Yeah, we could argue about it, but there's no point. Right. It's fun. Um, so in Metroid Other M, here's the problem with the game. There's one sequence where Samus goes into a high heat area. Very common for Metroid. You get a suit upgrade that eventually protects you from fire. Yep. She goes into this area, and she's literally about to die. And the guy's like, oh, hey, you're authorized to turn on your heat shield. <laughs> I got I hated that. Part. What? The actual F. <laughs> you, no, no, oh, you're about to die. Go ahead and turn on your protection. Here, I've enabled it on that, your suit. That messed it up one. Here's the other second thing, because i got to get my Metroid other M criticisms out. All right. So you learn during the course of Metroid other M, they're recreating Zebus. They're mm-hmm. recreating all the creatures. They're recreating Mother Brain. They've recreated Metroids because they've went extinct because this takes place right after Super Met. It preys on all those people that love Super Metroid and tarnishes the legacy. Um, so you're doing, and guess what? They cloned Ridley, that evil, Again? evil Ugh. dick that is, he's your nemesis in the games. Right. He always comes back. He's always a challenge. He's always pretty much the hardest character in the games to fight. He, he But Samus every time is like, I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm going to shoot you with lasers, plasma beams. (laughs) But when Samus is confronted with Ridley in this game, she is paralyzed. Yeah, with fear. With fear. That's not Samus. That is not the bounty hunter that saved the universe multiple times over. Yep. So regardless of the gameplay, that really tarnished And that was the last real... Metroid, direct Metroid. That's the last Metroid we got before Samus Returns. So Samus Returns in a lot of ways is actually uh, a double double meaning. Um, So this is a retelling of Metroid 2. Um, It's done by a third party. Nintendo's not directly a developer of this. Yeah, let's talk about who that third party is. We're going to lean into this (laughs) because we want to talk about this. So this is uh, Mercury Steam. Yes. Who did the Castlevania... Um, Lord of Shadows. Lord of Shadows series. Which gets a lot of heat, but isn't a horrible game series at all. It's not a horrible game series, but... But it was a huge transition and a shift away from the story of the Castlevania series. It's a reboot of the universe, because again, Castlevania is one of those series where they were all congruent. They always were falling in a timeline. To the point where they had numerous Game Boy Advance games and DS games that were just continuing the timeline into the future. They were in the sci-fi future right? in those games by the time a lot of the main console versions were coming out. Right. 
So it was a reboot of the universe, and that's fine. It's a reimagining. And if, actually, you you play as Gabriel Belmont. You usually played as Trevor or Simon Belmont in the originals. I'm like, I don't want to get in. We're going off in a yeah, tangent here. Yeah, we should actually do a Castlevania show at some point. We're, but the slight the slight transition is here is the main antagonist in all the Castlevania games is Dracula. Dracula. Well, guess what? You're in Dracula. this one, you find out you become Dracula. Yeah. Cool twist. I thought it was great. Different. It separates itself. Yeah, and you're actually fighting the devil. Yeah, you're not. You're not fighting Dracula. Yeah, it's he made a Hobbes but bargain, and it was more of a God of Warish clone. It absolutely action. was God. It was of not Castlevania. It wasn't no. what we think of as a Metroid meaning game, but not it was fine. I I like them. I I really like those games. Yeah. Um. But I I see them as very separate. They are very separate from the traditional Castlevania. It's not games. why you play a Castlevania game, but no. it was fine. Um. They also came out with a 3DS game that tied into mm-hmm. that series. Mm-hmm. Um. That was a 2D Castlevania mm-hmm. platformer. Now, the cool thing about that was it was fun, but it wasn't Castlevania. It was it was trying to still taking those action roots, yeah. but it didn't well, play. Well, it featured Alucard. It did. So that's another huge thing for me. But for most of fans of the series, the son of Dracula, Alucard, is a main character that everybody's loved for yeah. the, the whole way. Um, and you're right. It, it didn't try to be... That that game, which originally got released on on the 3DS and eventually was released on consoles as well as PC, with HD upgrades, um, was much more about your traditional platforming with a kind of Castlevania bend, but it wasn't a pure Castlevania experience. It was Castlevania light, so yeah. to speak. I mean, there wasn't much backtracking or exploring. But the cool thing that Mercury Steam did with that game was they made 2D look really good. Yeah, they did. Which ties in the same as Returns. It looks great. It's not sprite-based. It's 3D-based, but it gives life to the world. But it's really 2.5D. Yeah. Right? So you've got a sense of depth that they can't really do with plain pixels and sprites. But uh, it, it, it is your traditional Metroid discovery, backtracking, get a new ability, get a new suit. I mean, you're if you take a direct path in even the first level of the, the first few minutes of the game, you get into an area where there's this purple energy goo. And if you go into it, you immediately start taking damage. But you've found your first area to backtrack to once you get the various suit that allows you to go into that stuff. Right. You know, so, and that's another thing that I, I love about um, Metroid Re- Samus Returns is the auto map features. The, the idea of the integrated mapping, and this was introduced with Super Metroid, right, was the map. And, and you used the map to figure out where you needed to go. I don't remember it being part of Metroid 2, but I could be wrong. There was no map in Metroid yeah. 1 or 2. And 1 that's and 2, what made, you had to map it yourself. That's why 2 was a little difficult, because it was all black and white, and you couldn't tell the areas apart from each other very well. Yeah. But it was a little more linear than the first one. It but was... this game, amazingly beautiful. Um, the music is great. And again, we, we talked a few episodes back about the, the whole Amiibo gimmick. I haven't had a chance to use any of my Amiibos on it yet. Have you used yours? I've used the Metroid Amiibo, and all it really does is says the Metroid's over here. Oh, okay. Which is useful. So, there's a couple things I like with this game is it's not confusing where to go. Mm -hmm. The backtracking is uh, a lot easier. It could be kind of a task in other Metroid games. Super Metroid, it's not really a task. I think in uh, 
Fusion. See, I, it kind of reminds me of Fusion and Zero Mission. Yeah. Which had backtracking just like this. And again, they were modern takes on the classic formula and they did it better. Yeah. And I think that's carried forward here. But it's a solid game. If you're a Metroid fan, you need to get it. It retells the story of two. I told Sean I've read up on some spoilers. We're not going to get into that yet. I really want him to play it. but And I am playing it, actually. I it, actually am playing a 3DS for some reason. It really capitalizes on how important Metroid 2 is to the series. Hmm. Um, and does some odes to some other games, but it's a solid story. Um, and it really makes me hopeful we're going to get two more uh, some more 2D Metroids out there. Because with all of the Metroidvania-type games out there... And there are a lot now. I mean, we talked I mean, about Dead Souls. We talked about Rogue Legacy. Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. Ori, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's a Metroidvania. <laughs> all these night games. All these night games. Um, um, no, There's a ton out there, but there's something about Metroid that just yeah is pure... It, it's the best pedigree of the of the genre well everybody else has imitated it for years and now we've got another entry in in that original series and doesn't have to change it up now i was talking to sean sean's favorite game of all time Mm -hmm. is symphony of the night it is castlevania game i've i've bought that game like seven times and again these these games are the best in their pedigree i mean any game where you can play for you know four hours and think you're at the end of the game and fight the boss and then go wow, that was really short, and realize that you just made the wrong choice. And the game is actually 60 hours longer because you weren't paying attention. Yeah. That is immediately my favorite game in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it has been for a long time now. They're, they're, they're different, but they're very they're, – there's obviously similarities. But oh, yeah. They're, but they're the best at what they've done. I, I still think – I don't think we've gotten the – the successor to the Metroid series or the Castlevania series as hard as people try. Now I will say I wanted to bring up, we haven't talked about it too much was Axiom Verge. Do you ever end up playing? I have not played it yet. I keep looking at it and it keeps like leering at me and I keep going. Hmm. Axiom Verge was really, really good. In fact, I think it was the best Metroid game to come out since uh, zero mission. Okay. It really capitalizes on the alien world, the sound, the, the design and Unlike those other games where you think you're going to get the morph ball or you're going to get this item, it really messes with your expectations on how the mechanics work out. Um, well, that's think, available on a lot of platforms. That's on PC it's as coming well as consoles. Out for Switch in October. So oh. um, if you're a Metroid fan, I highly recommend Axiom Verge. All right. So um, have we encapsulated our excitement for Metroid in this last 40 minutes i wanted to talk to you about one more thing and yeah we're going to go over this week but we've been away because of my fault so (laughs) if you can bear with us a little bit longer um 3d metroids yeah so this year we got an announcement of this game samus returns and metroid prime 4 right which we know very little to nothing about right other than its name now i wanted to talk about the 2d metroid versus 3d metroid so that is kind of, and, and you and I promised we wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's kind of like the transition between 2D Zelda and 3D Zelda. Perspectives. Now in Zelda, it's perspectives mostly, right? When you get to the boss fights and you zoom in. Metroid Prime felt like a whole game full of that for me, right? With uh, um, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, when you go into that first person mode when you're fighting the bosses. Um, 
or you stayed in third person and still kind of had that first person-ish feel to me. If I have to compare 2D and 3D Metroids, I, I kind of see them as two different branches of the same tree. 2D is always going to be the one that I immediately... There's no question, if you put out a 2D Metroid, I'm buying it. The Prime series, I was the same way. I'm like, okay, they're putting out another Prime game. I'm going to buy it. Prime 1, love to death. Time, Prime 2 was not Empire Strikes Back. And Prime 3... Actually, I thought did a really good job with the Dark Samus storyline and the wrap up. And the... But they they played a lot more differently. In fact, by the time you got to Prime Three, it didn't really feel change. like a Metroid. It didn't feel as Metroid. Yeah. it was still fun. It's still a great game. Um, and of but... course, you had um, Dark or uh, Evil Samus showing up in the parallel two D game that came out at the same time as the Prime series, Fusion, which was Fusion. So there was a tie for me conceptually there. Yeah. Uh, but I still would have to say Zero Mission and Fusion were my favorite of that era. Right. The 3D is it's a little differently paced too. It's a little more slower. If you remember, uh, it's much slower and it's much more about discovery and scanning. Yeah. Right. So Which, they wanted you to experience the world. They wanted you to look around and see things and notice things. Right. And it, it made you think more strategically how you encountered with enemies because there were certain enemies that were with all the beam switching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, yeah, it was much more dynamic as far as your weapon equipment, right? Because it was a more first person shooter approach, right? People are used to being able to swap out their guns by just you know holding down a button right. for a second. Um, that's one of the other things that I kind of appreciated about the Prime series. It had a sense of action and urgency that you usually get through music, honestly, in the 2D games. Mm-hmm. The level designs. Uh, required you to pay attention and you often would backtrack. So it maintained that level of the Metroid equation, but I don't know. What did you think? I, I like the prime series, but if you made me choose 2d Metroid is Metroid. Mm-hmm. It's where the story's been. I think the prime series did a good job of explaining and expanding upon the universe, but the core of Metroid has always been the 2d games. Okay. Um, so I hope, I pray that, you know, I think Mercury Steam did something solid with Metroid 2, that they'll be able to do something original and new in the series that's not tied to lore and, and mechanics. Have we heard who's developing Prime 4? We have not. Because I I hear it's not... It's not retro. Retro, Yeah. Um, who did the first three and then went on to make Donkey Kong Country and Tropical Freeze, which are, again, top-notch. Um, so there is some hesitancy uh, on who's going to do it. But When we're at least a year out, it's the Nintendo release cycle. Do you think it's going to be 2018 or 2019? I think it'll be 2019. I think so, too. I think it'll be early 2019, like March. Yeah. Because that fits the... It actually fits the way they released Prime, too. So... I, the, the one last question I had here about Metroid was, um, you know, we've had two seven to eight year hiatuses. Between... That's a good thing sometimes to let a franchise rest. Right. Because like you said, we we had these annoying, like everybody's clamoring for it. And now we get this new game and I haven't seen sales numbers yet, but I can't imagine that it sold poorly. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because it's the, why wasn't this a Switch game? I don't know. I'd love to see it on Switch, actually. this is a, That would be a Switch system seller for me. It could work on Switch. It could absolutely work on Switch. There's nothing on the 3DS that makes it 3DS 
only. I mean, the 3D is great in the game. It's actually... So the only thing I think that would have to change on the Switch is you couldn't constantly have the map. Yeah, and that's not a that's not a but seller. I mean, that's not yeah. a killer. I mean, a, a sales deal. Yeah, sales the story. switching, the... No, you could do it all. Yeah. So I'm hoping we'll get an HD Metroid 2 Samus Returns uh, based on the appreciation of this game. Again, w- what you think Nintendo should do, they're not going to. Um, yeah. But that's my hope. Um, this game deserves it. I think more people deserve to play it. Um, if you own a 3DS, you really shouldn't question the purchase. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great game. I think it's going to be the the swan song of the 3DS. I think it's going to be the last big Nintendo release for this the system. I mean, they said they're going to support it through 2018. So hey, we could see a sequel to this. Do you think they'll pop it out in a year? I don't know. It's mm, um, not likely. It's not likely, but you never know. Um, Metroid or Mario Galaxy One and Two were only a couple years apart. That's true. They were they turned out around really quick for Nintendo. So, I don't know. I don't know. I it's 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 just nice for Samus to return. <laughs> so, um, and she's again. back. Yeah, we'll have to t- we'll have to do an episode about Castlevania because Castlevania oh, is talk for an hour about Castlevania, Castlevania is one of those games where the lore and the series is is amazing. Well, and then we even have new exposure thanks to Netflix. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe when they finally release the second half of the first season which they're calling the second season. Yeah. We we should come and do the episode. Yeah. Then. And and Castlevania is one of those games where it really transformed over the course of its life And it's cycle tried through. things that are biz- beyond bizarre. Yeah. As far as making some choices in game styles. Mm-hmm. Um Konami really experimented with the platform and they they completely bought into the Wii as a platform. Yeah. It was one of the more violent games on the Wii, actually. What what are you referring to? The fighting game. Oh god. We don't talk about the fighting game. We we have to okay. in that episode. We don't have to so, do it now. We'll we'll do that again. Um what we want to hear from you before we get on one dumb thing is Metroid. Tell us your stories of Met, Met, Metroid. Did you ever consider it as a game that you'd ever play? I know a lot of people haven't played it. Um, the sci-fi element might turn you off, but I tell you, if you've not played a Metroid type game, the, the, it just the, the sheer game design of the rewarding structure of getting power-ups that make you stronger and stronger to yeah. do things that you couldn't do in the beginning game. I'm telling you just from a, a dopamine, uh, release, it's, 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 it's hugely really rewarding. It's hugely rewarding. Yeah. So. Uh, if you have a 3DS, I highly check it out. It's not difficult. It's a little more difficult, but I think it's easy to no, pick up. Although you complained about the uh, controls. Yeah, I did. It's And that's more just because I'm not used to playing on a 3DS anymore. Well, and I might comment, you were playing on the original 3DS, which is the size of like a stick of gum. <laughs> that's true, I was. So I, you might want to play it in the Well, in I've got XL. the 3DS XL. So Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to transition over to that. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say, you know, just to wrap this topic up is if this is the type of thing that you've enjoyed listening to, uh, if you suggest certain game series or, you know, you'd like to know, like, we can go deep into a lot of the history and a lot of games. We, both of us have been playing for decades. And if there's something that, you know, we're passionate about, obviously we're going to bring it up and, and talk about it. If you want to hear about something, tell us. Yeah. And, and if it's something we haven't played, Maybe we turn around, we play it, and we talk about it. Because the access to even a series of games 
we have access to it. Yep. So. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about. I wasn't able to just the lore of Metroids and. Just... Yeah, I think you may be going a little too deep down that rabbit hole. Sometimes. Oh man, there's so much. There's so but much. it's it is really great. It's it's so good. Okay, so let's move on to our one dumb thing, and this is Sean's this week. So let's. Uh... Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> Should we just do a soundbite when we do one dumb thing, and it's like, oh, one dumb thing. <laughs> so my one dumb thing this week is. Um, related to the upcoming Han Solo spinoff film. Trilogy. Unconfirmed. Yeah, just like Virtual Console, unconfirmed. But I, I had to make that shot, sorry. Uh, so here's the thing. There's there's rumors coming about this storyline and what they're going to talk about in the movie. And one of the things they've, they, they're trying to, you know rev up the star wars fans with is saying this is the movie where you'll finally get the story of the kessel run and why the millennium falcon is known as the fastest ship in the quadrant oh you mean that one throwaway line from the original star wars that's become a meme now well it's been a meme since before there were memes actually but yeah so this comes back to something we we touched on a little bit when we talked about rogue one last year well, it wasn't last year, but I mean yeah. earlier, um, which is when they showed us a little baby Darth Vader, Darth Vader was no longer interesting. If you throw us a story about a little baby Han Solo and show us these monumental things that you just hinted were really cool before and they don't turn out to be really cool, guess who's no longer really cool? There is no need for this. Yeah, and that goes something of storytelling of you don't have to explain everything. The reason Samus can turn into a morph ball, a ball that's a quarter of her size, you don't have to explain that. That's no. something she can do. You don't right. have to go and, into... And you know what? Knowing that Han Solo was regarded for this momentous thing that he did in the Millennium Falcon... That he claims to have done. That's that's the whole... Well, there's the that whole too. the gray yeah. side of it is... You he's know, a scoundrel. He, he's a scoundrel. He claims he has the fastest ship. He claims he did the Kessel Run. This add up of, is he telling the truth? You don't know. That's part of his character. And it's interesting. But if you dispel it by showing it, yeah, it's not interesting. You know, and it's like the Force. If you have to, why do you have to explain it with uh, Midi Chlorians? Yeah, seriously. My count is 1.79494, the 3-9 to the 12th power. That's pretty... You're, you're stronger than Pastor, Master Yoda. <laughs> no, because it's not a thing. <laughs> and maybe the Force doesn't work on a rating. It's over 9,000! <laughs> you know, maybe it's not... Uh... Yeah, so uh, there's so many missteps with what's going on with this Han Solo film. I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic anymore. I'm just kind of... I'm not yeah. sure I'm even going to go see it. Now, Rogue One... They tantalized me with some of the concepts of what they were going to tell, even though I knew the story for years about how the Death Star plans got into the hands of the Rebellion. Even though they decided to wipe it out, I I went into it going, this could be really cool. And you know what? It's not the greatest piece of film, but I enjoy it. It was good, but it it was, again, was it a story that needed to be told? I don't think it ultimately was. But... That movie was fine because of the Darth Vader scene. Well, the Darth the, Vader scene. Redemption oh, oh, of Darth so Vader. this is the other one dumb thing element to the yeah. Han Solo. Darth Vader is confirmed to be in the movie. In Han Solo? In Han Solo. I'm out. 
Guys, have a good pot. Whatever. I'll talk later. Um. Yeah. Why? Because he made Rogue One. So you, so the, you the, redeem him, and now you're going to put him in Han Solo, which there's... Hans, the but Han- there's no indication for any good reason, because it is a big galaxy. And it doesn't have to revolve around the Empire. It can be in the periphery well, of he, the Empire. He was, in, he was in the periphery. He was a smuggler. Why? Let's just end it here, because this is going to get worse. So, um, guys, we're back. We'll be back next week. Um, he promises until he goes on vacation again. Oh, my God. How was your vacation, by the way? No, I, I'm giving you a lot of guff over this, but... Was it good? It was unexpected, and it was really good. It then, was relaxing. You know what? That makes it all worth kind it. Of reset, cares about the podcast? Kind of reset me mentally on a lot of things, which is always a good That's thing. That's true. You did come back really energized, and as a matter of fact, as soon as we're done recording and posting this, we're doing our technical testing to get our streaming going, yep. and we've been working to develop our 24-hour game list with some subscrip- or some suggestions. Subscriptions. From the, yes. Some suggestions from uh the audience and we still encourage you if you've got some games you'd like to see us play we're probably going to be breaking things up into half hour to one hour blocks for the most part yeah um we're looking for things that are co-op oriented but if they have to be head-to-head that's fine too or if it's just one of us plays this really cool game and the other one criticizes them we can do that as well and maybe i just play super metroid for 18 hours well then you need to work up in your speed run game because <laughs> i watched the last we- games done quick yeah, they were done in like. We're not games minutes. done quick. We're games done adequately. Aim for adequate, man. Yeah, and with that, we should sign off for the week. Well, with with that, I just wanted to say uh, we're also going to do this for charity. Yes, and uh, we haven't rounded that out either. We haven't rounded out time, games, or charity, but we're going to start doing that. But if you have ideas, jump in there and let us know. And it will be tied to our Twitch channel. So. Yep. That's already out there. You can go ahead and, subs- well, not subscribe, subscribe. follow. No, follow. Oh, yeah, it's YouTube. No, you can follow. follow. It's like, follow. subscribe. In Twitch, it's follow. And um, Until we get partnered or heart. affiliate. And then, well, that's what it looks like. It's a heart, but it's actually a follow. Do you heart us? Anyhow. And we'll put a oh, link. So, so a complaint that I had uh, about us was, this, what? how do I follow? How do I know when you guys are doing stuff? Well, first off. Here's here's a little tip. We're on Twitter. We're yes. on Facebook. We're not under science, cosines, or tangents. That's the name of our podcast, but uh, we operate under the four score seven pongs ago banner. Um, so you can follow us on Twitter at numeral four, the word score, the number seven, pongs. Uh, same thing on Facebook. Yeah. And you can communicate to us. You can you can interact with us. And both of us have personal Twitter accounts and, and personal yeah. Facebook accounts. I don't think we're both public on the Facebook no. side. I'm at Jarbachov on Twitter. He's at S Signs. It's really hard to find me. You should just be Signs. You should have gotten that missed opportunity. I probably still could get it. No, I think it's probably taken. Yeah. So we want to hear from you. We want you to interact. The uh, unnamed peoples of the do we call people out i don't think we should we're not gonna call people out. we know you're listening yeah we yeah. want to hear from you we actually have statistics that say that people are listening and actually our numbers are going up when we don't post episodes we're really popular <laughs> when we don't create stuff Maybe so that's why we want to hear from you and we'll be back so everybody have a great day and play some metroid oh.